Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trab. This is Pixie. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of seeking deep under the sea to find out what terrors dwell within and realizing that your umbilical cord is only enough to get you to the bottom of the pool. Oh, release the <laughs> Kraken! <laughs> We're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast. This is a follow-up to our earlier podcast where we talked about Bureau 13 and adventures that could take place underwater, especially under the sea. So we talked an awful lot about the various kinds of adventures, but we really didn't get into the... I don't want to use the word nitty-gritty because that's not what we're really about. At least I'm not. How are going to go about doing it? Yeah. Well, you know, something about the tech and about maybe some strategies about doing things like that. We have Team Nemo and they're our X team. And so they're going to be having all this really great equipment that they're going to need to use. Now, it's, it, it can't, we have to think about this in terms of all the stuff they're going to need because they're going to be underwater. All right. So it's not just going to be, you know, a pressure suit. It's not going to be just a... Um, uh, an undersea submersible. Basically, they need systems to work for them. Okay. It would be a surface ship, at least as part of the support support team. I mean, this is not going to be a, a small group. This is going to be... No, it's going to be a small group, John, because they don't have a lot of people in Bureau 13. That's true, but I can see that a surface ship operated by retired Team Nemo members would work. You know, they're basically they're 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 no longer you know that that age bracket that could do this all the time, but they're perfectly fine for running the ship that supports the submersibles or supports the divers. We're not talking like a whole lot of people. We're talking maybe twenty people on the surface. That's pretty. That's a pretty tight crew for usually what's you know for most of these things. Uh, like the Jacques Cousteau usually had about, uh, it didn't tell you, but he, they had close to 50 to 60 people on his ships supporting their dives of like four or five guys. Well, yeah, that, that stands to reason. Uh, you know, they, they, they have a, a, a surface ship, and underneath they have this underwater base where they're o- operating out of. I'd rather look at it from the standpoint of, okay, they have an underwater base that comes out of the continental United States, uh, and you know maybe have you know, and the, the guys themselves, uh, to, you know, would have to go and go to those bases and, um, and 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 take over. That's why it made a certain amount of sense for you to say, hey, they got some guys that are always ready. Okay. Yeah. 
But I'm not sure we necessarily want to go that route because the other route is to say, look, these are the systems we have for an immediate situation. If we have a little bit of time, then we can start doing the part where we go fill our lungs full of, of fluorocarbons and we start using the liquid breathing mixture to go further down. I mean, you know, there's there's... There's going to have to be, you know, methodologies and orders of doing things in order to work because of the fact that we are going to be underwater and those guys aren't going to live, uh, can't live in a undersea environment all the time, uh, you know, because of the issues we talked about on the wear and tear on their bodies, unless they've got some kind of serious magical support to keep their bodies going, you know, some kind of, you know, uh, elixir that gives them an iron constitution so they can stand up to that kind of long-term abuse, you know, to having to, you know, to to have all those things squirting into their bodies or whatever. Not to mention being extra wrinkly after a while, too. I don't think that's really going to be a problem, John, because there'll be, again, you, you know, we're not trying to create some kind of impossible situation we're talking you know we're either talking about these guys at this point we should be talking about a mature you know um uh strike team so they've dealt with the issues of some kind of a surfacant liquid or a wax that they basically rub on their bodies and it solves those problems about over wrinkling or anything like that so it's you know, I think uh, when you were talking about them um, uh, having to have like you know incest, these guys are, you know, you're going to have a gr- uh, some people who are not cyberized up, but there's going to be some the group that you talked about, the Team Nemo. These guys are going to be cyberized up in the sense that they're going to have everything they need in order to get implanted, you know, get this stuff squirted into them and use equipment that's designed to go to ultra deep depths. So they're, they're going to have, you know, uh, spots in their, their stomachs, uh, probably to flush liquid into their intestines to blow any, any air or anything else that might be in there out of their system. They're going to have other ones going into their lungs. They're going to have the taps on their, uh, around their, their um, uh, various uh, ducts or um, uh, sinuses, unless they've already been pre-filled and sealed. Where okay, because yeah, you don't actually need sinuses, to the best of my knowledge, operating as long you know they just happen to be part of our our bodies in the way they work. But they're a detriment to these guys because of the fact they get air in them and then they become points of failure at high pressure. Yeah, and it, it basically it can be done in such a way it can always be reversed later on, more likely. Right, right. No, absolutely. So you know, again, we we don't want the players to think that every time that they do this, there's like a ten percent chance of them going into uh, essentially shock because of 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 the you know something not misaligning or something. We want them to think that that everything is going to work fine. That these this equipment is reliable. It's long, you know. It, it, it's it's reliable. It has lots of power. I mean, they might have a twenty-hour, you know, uh, a power cell that they work off of, and that they can count on it. Okay, I, I mean, this is what we want them to have. Otherwise, they're not going to want to do this. Well, yeah, this is the thing. We're going to have to. This is something I discussed with Josie. I think last week. I may have brought it up to you that we not only want to be able to survive down there, we want to be able to have the systems that will put us on par with whatever we're going to meet down there. If we're dealing with an Atlantean invasion force, we have to be able to fight as good, if not better, in their elements. So that means we need to have 
if we have magic, not only water breathing and freedom of movement spells, so we're not in, so we're not doing the having the underwater combat penalties. If we have tech, we want our diving power armor, whatever, to be as streamlined as possible, so we just slice through the water. We need to have all of these things set up, reliable, tested. Um, if Professor Robertson has the um, let you know the the genetic modification to give your guys gills, we got to make sure that they work properly. That whatever means of tweaking meshes with human DNA, we're yeah, they're going to want to make sure that the tech, quote unquote, whether it is tech or magic, it's tight. Or the people that are on this mission are going to be going, okay, there's a chance that this can happen. No, we can't afford to have our stuff go belly up, pardon the pun, when we're in the middle of combat with, you know, the Kraken. So it just, yeah, it, oh, so yeah, it's just whatever it is that bureau agents use to do that job, they want to make sure that everything they have is spot on reliable all the time. Yeah, I, I would imagine that each of the major port cities, New York, uh, Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles, San Francisco, there's a there is a bureau water dump that's called you know supply dump. Basically, this is where you need to get you need you need to get that submarine. This is where you go to get it. There will also be one in what uh, Chicago and Detroit as well. Well, yeah, you're going to want Great Lakes. Great Lakes access points, definitely. I mean, look how many yeah. cities and we and major port cities, mind you, are mm-hmm. in the Great Lakes. You and I. John, well, and Josie, too, being from Toledo, the three of us know the number of cities, American cities, that are on, on the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Toledo so is technically make- a port city. It's on the Maumee River in Lake Erie. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, and this course- is... I mean, this is where you'll find submersibles that you can you can operate, and basically they're 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 you know they're um, uh, Robinson approved. Basically, they're you know easy you know they're, they're they're basically it's like playing a game with them because he just he realizes okay I can give you real submarines, which means you need to know how to run them, or I can give you these, which operate because they work like games. You know, but basically, take care of all let computers take care of all this other stuff for you. You, you just got to worry about steering it and making it go, you know, go fast, go slow. Oh, Don't no, worry. Robertson, we know Robertson is not going to give faulty tech. I mean, yeah. well, he does. He doesn't give faulty tech. He gives tech that's a little bit uh, rushed out the door sometimes. Sometimes there's side issues, but where, but where it really matters, it's, it's rock solid. So, yeah, you go to uh, Atlantic City, and it turns out this is where he put all the dolphin subs, one-man one subs. You, you crawl inside, and you skim like dolphins through the water. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I would also – yeah, I would pretty much say as far as uh, – John, you just brought up Great Lakes access points. Mm-hmm. We have five lakes at our disposal. It just – yeah, we're going to have more than one. Like Lake Superior, we're probably going to have one somewhere in northern Michigan, Duluth. You know, Mich- uh, Lake Michigan, we're probably going to have, you know, Green Bay, oh, Chicago. I um, know, a great Steve. place to sick one. Mackinac, Mackinac Island. You can't put one there. <laughs> they don't allow any tech above horse, uh, horse and carriage. That they know that of. knows about. Actually, uh-huh. no. <laughs> having, having been there, they, they do have emergency vehicles. 
the, the, the Bureau is not, you know, I'm just saying is that it's, it would be ironic for them to have that there. Yeah, I take the ferry over and say, oh, no, 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 okay, we got to go over here, open this door here, go pe- go behind the fudge, one of the, one of the 200 fudge stores in Mackinac Island and uh, and go down and, and get in the sub and hit on out. <laughs> right. Well, we, you're also going to want to have these, you're also going to want to have these um, bases for a couple of reasons. One is, is that probably there's going to be some attrition. Okay, you know, you go underwater, you deal with a monster, you may not necessarily do do well, okay? You may end up uh having to abandon uh, ships because the monsters are unexpected or whatever because you're not I mean, it's already most Bureau 13 agents and eight and adventurers are running on not great to intel. Okay, you can imagine underwater where the, the ability to detect and, and see things ahead of time are even worse. So, you know, you may run into stuff. So you need backups. You need stuff that you can bring in when the first stuff gets broken. Actually, I imagine as, as, as emergency gear, they basically say, don't try to come to the surface. You're never going to make it. Here, where's this, where's this vest? And on the vest, it's one of those that you, you pull to inflate. Don't inflate till you get out of the sub and then drink vial number one. You have 30 minutes of water breathing until you hit the surface. <laughs> that sounds you know, like a good idea. And inflate the vest, and you yo-yo, you, you, you know, like they do in the submarine, in the submariners, they teach them to gum up from, I think, about 100 feet underwater, uh, fr- a free dive up to the surface. They, they use a vest, they inflate, and they yo-ho-ho all the way to the surface, getting the air out of the lungs so they don't burst. But in this case, you got water breathing. Drink it. Now you can breathe water all the way up to this, as far as deep as you want to go for 30 minutes. That's why they have a second va- second val- second one. When you you know, each one has a little timer on it, let you know you're getting close to 30 minutes. If you're still not in the surface yet, you drink valve number two. And hopefully you make it to the surface then. You know. Oh no, with the with the general paranoid state yeah. of agents, you're yeah. going to have fail safes for your fail safes. I get where John's yeah. coming from. Yeah. yeah. Sure. No, that's fine. Okay. So, all right. So, we're we're going to need some mercibles, okay? Because for two for a couple of reasons, one is because you're going to need to get places. You know, you know, nowhere are you going to ever be at the right place. And even if you are at the right place, you're probably not going to end up in that location by the end of the adventure. So, you're going to need some kind of a, of a underwater vessel. Now, if we are using the um uh, uh, the liquid breathing mixture. Okay, it would it would make sense to me, or even if we're not. Okay, if you have some kind of a bathysphere center to your submersible, it makes sense that all the other things that are in the submersible are in some kind of a liquid non-conductive media. Now, I, I they used to have commercials, and they had the guy that used to be in the McLeod series. Dennis Weaver showing this off, and he had a computer sitting inside this box, this acrylic box, and running just fine. And televisions, and it was just covered. I mean, the liquid was up to like a, a foot above it. I don't know what that stuff was, but something. Well, whatever it was, that's what you need because that way, you, because otherwise, the water on the outside is going to be dry, trying to drive itself inside your ship. And electronics don't do well with that. And a lot of other things get damaged because of that. So putting a, a surrounding sheath of a non-conductive, non-compressible liquid 
to keep all the equipment working correctly, okay, is a good idea. And you could, you know, when you have that thing up on the uh, to the surface, you just basically, you know, you uh, you, you uh, open it up, and you've got a little bit of fluid in there, and something sucks it off, and then you open the hatch into the actual submersive, you know, the bathysphere part of it, get in there, latch it down, so that now you've got a perfect sphere, and it's going to keep it, you know, it's going to hold its hold the pressure out as it goes down, and then you re, and then you backfill from some reservoir it up to the outside and put the final hatch on, or you know, push the button and it closes, and now you have a contained vessel that is protected from the ravages of the salt water that you're going to be going around in. Yeah, and there's not going to be any... You know, uh, I, this is one of my complaints about the movie Abyss, when Fred Harris's light, uh, headlights go out and going, and you guys didn't put oil, non-conductive oil inside those things so they wouldn't happen? I mean, that's what they do. Real dive teams, they actually those are liquid-filled with oil, because oil's non-conductive. <laughs> Well, whatever whatever you need or whatever the you know that's what that's what you want to use, and so and because I was thinking about it, saying is it doesn't do you a whole lot of good to have the center of the ship be some kind of a bathysphere bubble that keep the people itself safe in one in one atmosphere when they're down two thousand atmospheres if the rest of the ship is you know you have water forcing itself in and 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 and, and you know ruining uh, hydraulic valves and pipes and all that kind of stuff or just slowly corroding you know the uh, w- whatever kinds of wiring you might have in there you know for mechanical linkages you need to keep the water on the outside of the ship so something like again an uncompressible liquid like an oil or something like that fluorocarbon you know will, will keep it in equilibrium with the pressure on the outside of the ship and you'll be able to keep it you know keep it going you know and and and, and be able to have reliable equipment without having to have such a super tech solution that you basically are hand waving magic at this thing yeah, I mean the the the, the good thing about the fluorocar any of the fluorocarbon fluids, they're denser than water, so they that actually is a benefit. It means it's harder for water to even try to get past it. So being denser than water, and that includes the breathing liquids, uh, they're all denser than water. So that actually helps you support whatever you're trying to keep, you know, from being compressed by the water pressures. Hmm. All right, so. Um... All right, so obviously, of course, you want to stay underwater as long as possible. But if for the purposes of the game, what do you think is a reasonable amount of life support to expect to have on one of these submersibles uh, in support of, of the guys in their breathing mixture suits or wherever? Well, with the um, well, we, we're going to first assume that we're going to have air, you know, CO two scrubbers, either CO two scrubbers, or as we said before, pull the you know pull the sea out of the sea of the CO two. Yeah, yeah. How much life support do you think we should expect? I mean, are we are we talking about some kind of a you know zero point module on these ships? Uh, because I mean, we're already talking these things are going to be as as high tech as Ray can work with. So it, it's, you know, is this going to be something that we can basically say, hey, don't have to worry about air. You know, we, we'll either scrub the, the the CO2 out of it, or we'll just go and extract it out of the ocean, just take water and just turn it into hydrogen and oxygen and blow the hydrogen off somewhere. I mean, that's what they, that's what they do on nuclear submarines. They pull the. They... But we're talking about something smaller, so. 
I would say scrub, scrubbing, scrubbing is going to be probably the, the way to do it. And either you can use the super scrubbers or you can use uh, normal scrubbers. But I would say, I would say a good, you could probably have a full day down there before you have to really, 24 hours before you really have to worry that about. That sounds about good, about 24. To me, that's too low. That's way too low. I mean, unless you're just going to go a, a pop and, and hop right back up to the surface, you go down there, you may be stuck down there for a week. Well, I, I say I would say twenty four hours, and you're not worrying about. It. You might be able to go longer. You know, that twenty say twenty four hours for a full crew of six. Now, if you want to have a crew of four, that you could be you can go longer. If it's just a crew of two, you're good for a week. So it's basically actually the best way to do it is do it by man hours. Let's say there is a hundred man hours worth of air. No, two, uh, you're picking an arbitrary number, John. So I'm trying to I'm talking about as far as running the missions. Okay. If they're stuck down there, they've got to be able to survive long enough for help to show up. How long can help would it take for help to show up if you just take it out all the submersibles from a base and they now have to bring them all in from somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, basically, if they're calling for if they're calling for Team Nemo to show up to rescue them, or if it's Team Nemo and Team Nemo is asking for the backup Team Nemo to come rescue them. Yeah, I always imagine that, I hate to say this, that you just can't have one Team Nemo. There's Team Nemo, but there's Team Nemo West, East, South, and Great Lakes. Okay, well, John, you're, you're not, you're just basically just making the situation worse. Okay, still, what's the, what do you think is the proper response time for responding to somebody who needs to get rescued at the bottom of the ocean if the first team goes in and has problems? Well, we do know for a fact that your bureau to comm units always get bars no matter where they are. And if you can't yeah. get bars, you're in some place bad. Yeah, well, we're okay. We're not talking about that, so go on. But, but in this case, that means they, they they know your position. That right there cuts down most of the search. They there'll be someone's phone will still be working, I hope, and they can be able to triangulate on that phone. They know where you are down there because that's always the big heart, the big problem with finding people underwater is, well, they're underwater and you can't see them down there. So. Okay, still we have to take a whole bunch of equipment and move it now to a new location because. It's not at the same location because that equipment that was nearest the site of the of the adventure is already there. So how long is that? How long are we as designers saying it's going to take to get there? Well, if it was Thunderbird two with Thunderbird four on board, I'd say about uh, about six hours. Yeah, but I don't think we have that, do we? No, but yeah, you know, but that's the supersonic transport. But also, okay. We're also assuming that they're going to, try to get there. Well, remember, they can always take it through where? Bangor, Maine. Because it's, remember, we always say it's always two hours. You're always two hours from Bangor, Maine, no matter where you are in the country. So I can see them loading up, loading up this, the submersible, driving to Bangor, Maine, coming out the other side. And so maybe four hours to get a fully operational submersible to where you to at least to the coast where you near where you are. So let's call it six hours. Yeah, that's not, that would sound good by John. That thing. sounds great, but I think it's yeah. totally unreasonable. I mean, you have to get it from its undersea base onto something to transport it to Bangor, Maine. Oh, you, you, you're now, now, Bruce. Now you're assuming that they don't actually have something already pallet loaded and ready to go. <laughs> I would think that all all of these various bases that we have at all the various uh, port side cities, they're going to have something loaded, ready to go. It's there. You don't have to put a. 
from what I understand of Euro 13, listening to all of you ramble, <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> I've just been hearing rambling okay. for the last right. minute. Get, get your point. From what I understand of it, they always have backups. There's no scrambling to get something ready. It is ready in case something goes wrong. Well, because we have because all these supply don't... dumps all over the country that are always filled. Granted, some of the, in, some of the equipment's a bit dated, 100 years, but... <laughs> Maybe a bit dated, but it'll get you where you need to go. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. they know anything can happen. Yeah. And remember, Bureau is exceedingly paranoid, especially since 77. Yeah. Because anything can happen. Right. And if we do have supply dumps everywhere, Team Emo goes, yeah, grab your gear, guys. We're going to drive through Bangor, Maine, drive over here, and go to that same supply dump and grab the other sub that was left behind. Because <laughs> they don't care. It's a sub-sub uh, for them. John, just a second. What else, Josie? You guys were talking about Mackinac Island earlier. Yeah. And I wanted to say something then, but you just kept going. Okay, well, do you have That would be... In terms of the whole, they don't allow any tech farther than whatever horse, you said. Horse drawn. That yeah. anyone knows about. Wouldn't that be the perfect place to hide something like this? Because nobody expects it to be there? That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good point. And it is yeah. central to what? Three lakes? You can well, get to two like lakes. You have- and between Mackinac Island. It's in sort of that central area. Yeah, but yeah. Superior is kind of hard to get to because you have to go through the Sault Ste. Marie locks. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I can see them now pulling up there. Yeah, we want to go through the locks right now in the secret submarine. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but yeah. In that case, then you'd, you'd have to go through, just go mm-hmm. through a port city like, not Escanaba, um, northern coast of the UP. Yeah. And a, a but, Copper Harbor. All right, so John is saying that he thinks that a six-hour response time uh, to, to from, hey, we're in trouble, you need to come rescue us, to putting equipment into the water is reasonable. Trav, you seem to be supporting him. Is that right? Yeah, I would say six to eight hours. They, Of course, they're going to want that wiggle time. Yeah. All right, I, I think that's highly um, optimistic, but hey, that's okay. I'm willing to be outvoted on this. I mean, after all, it's, it's, it's up to the GM how you know how he wants to do that. Uh, but it's good to know it's good to know that that um, for the people who are down there dealing with it, that you know that their emergency systems only have to run about eight hours before. Uh, you know, if the if the main uh, you know reactor goes down, then their you know, backup batteries and, and fuel cells and stuff only have to keep it going for another six hours before help will arrive. Well, that's that's good to know. We can always do what, I, what Richard would always do, which is you know it's five, it's a D ten plus five hours. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's why Richard or he or if Richard has been in the bad mood, D twenty plus five hours. yeah all right so if you get into trouble that's fine i also but i also think that these vessels should be able to run at least a week underwater just because i think that missions sometimes do take that long i mean if you do run into intelligent creatures 
you know, you may have to leave, you know, go places and negotiate and, and, uh, you know, get involved, you know, in their local issues. Um, so it may take quite, you know, a while for you to actually come to a resolution. Now, of course, your obvious thing that you want to deal with right off the bat is whatever is attracting the attention of the surface dwellers, i.e. you, okay, you want that to stop right away. So, uh, you know, if you have, if that means, you know, blowing uh, the, uh, uh, you know, an orca out, of, you know, a, a carnal whale, you know, out of, out of the, the, the depths, that's fine, okay? But then you still have all the other stuff you have to do to finally go and bring the situation into stability. So I really think that the, a week is at least a minimum you should expect the operational life of these craft uh, uh, and these suits and, and, the, and, and the, the guys themselves who are going to be in them to be able to, to tolerate, yeah, I mean, it also depends on whether or not they actually have to leave the submersible or not. So that itself would require either either we have the one atmosphere vessel, which means you can be using uh, you know some sort of remote uh, arms to do to manipulate things, to one where yeah you're going to be spending a week down there because it's going to take you two days to depressurize to get back to the surface because you have a moon pool instead of a. You, you know, you're not always necessarily going to know how deep you're going to have to go. So, you, you know, you may go in there with the uh, uh, with the liquid breathing supply and 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 just operate from you know 30 feet down to whatever it needs to be because that's what that's that's the advantage that those things provide is the fact that you can go great depths uh, and go to shallow and it's not a problem. As a matter of fact, that may save your bacon because you may have. Uh, as John was talking about, where certain creatures do have a not a crush depth, but the opposite, a, a, a rise depth, where they, you know their own body starts breaking down because of the pressure change. You in your uh, in your liquid breathing mixture suit might be able to to basically outrun them, basically get above them, and they wouldn't be able to follow you because it just hurts too much for them to do that. Yeah, and to clarify things, we're only saying that Team Nemo actually has the stents and the attack and the and the pl- and the ta- plugs or not stents. It'd be a stent, wouldn't it? Yeah, to, for liquid breathing, you can still use liquid breathing. Just means you got to, well put a, a pipe down your down down your down your uh, trachea into your lungs to to be able to breathe. But you know, hey, it it, it means you can go to greater depths you could with any with with any any uh, oxygen uh, with any uh, breathing mixture. Uh, then uh, you know that, that, that's available. Even John, even the good stuff. I understand an intubator is not the most comfortable thing to have down your throat. I've nope. never had one, but I I generally know that just having a plastic tube down your throat in order to do not a comfortable thing and not something like you'd want to have if you're going into a combat situation to go down there. And if they do that to me, I want them, I want to be sure that before we start, okay, that they're just going to anesthetize everything from from my, the back of my tongue all the way down, okay? Because I do not want to feel that thing flopping around in my lungs and yeah. all the other stuff because I'm just sure I would be, like, choking it out. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... It does mean also that Team Nemo all are good, are, are, all no, are knowledgeable in hand signs, sign language, and texting because they have the little texting thing on their arm they can text with, you know. So they, you know, because when when they're down there where you look at breathing gear, you can't talk. <laughs> but also the thing is, it would have to be oh god, and it's in D twenty Future Tech, a psycom. 
Mm-hmm. Now it's a limited range, and but they're all linked. It, it's SciTech, and I'm sure yeah. that. Um, Are we talking about psionics here? Yeah, something that you, it. Okay, as I said, it was in D20 Future Tech. Basically, it adheres to your temple. There's a group of like you. You make them like six to a batch, and they're all linked. And there's I think like a 500 foot range on them. That way, then you don't have to worry about text because you're. Texting, unless you have like a thought-to-word text type, then that would work. But I mean, they're linked. They're about 500-foot range, I believe. I don't have the book with me right now. But that would be something good. Your hands are free. You don't have to worry about hand signals. And let's face it, if you're in, if you've got a tentacle of the Kraken wrapped around you, you're not going to be able to, you know, make hand gestures anyways. Right. Well, hopefully you're using the buddy system so your your buddy can go and say, Bob's in trouble. Oh, that's good. Because remember, a Kraken has eight tentacles. It has four for each of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, even if, even if all it does is take your thoughts and turn them in, in, in turn through a voter and so you can speak, you won't, you know, I imagine you won't sound like a... Um, Hawking, you'll you know Stephen Hawking. You'll probably I would go. Oh, give me a nice deep voice. Give me uh, um, Edris Elba's voice. I'll have Edris Elba's voice. Well, well, why wouldn't you use your own voice? I mean, if it's going to simulate a voice, why not yours? Because well, I yeah, sound like Edris Elba. Tech, it's going to be <laughs> as how you sound. That's how just yeah. your thoughts oh. are. If I think to myself, I'm going to hear my own voice. That's just how yeah. we work. If so I think, if, if I think of certain things, it's either going to sound like me. Or it's going to sound like what that thing sounds like. Yeah, exactly. So the Psycom, you're going to hear this sent thought to the rest of them, and it's going to sound like you. I mean, that just, yeah. So I can't drop my voice and talk like a Giselda then. All right. Yeah, well, there, there's another option that doesn't require SciTech, and that is is that you have a computer system that goes and reads the muscular contractions that are going to your larynx and also to your mouth and to your tongue, okay? And then and it basically interprets that as this is the words you're trying to form and then do that. And so you could essentially just by essentially mouthing it have it speak for you, even though you can't actually make the sounds. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all part of the intubation system. You know, it goes down your throat. It's going through your larynx. It's going down the whole oh, thing. I've got a lot of wincing over here. And, <laughs> and I like I said, I want it all. I, 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 I don't want you to paralyze it. I just want you to anesthetize it. Okay. It's, it, 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 you'll get used to it after a while. I'm sure. I imagine the poor, you know, the poor subject matter expert that they drag in. Oh, we need you to do, you know, at the last minute, we need somebody who knows something about ancient, you know, Peruvian, uh, you know, hieroglyphics. You know, we have this ruin under the ocean about, you know, uh, half a mile down. And what does that mean to me? Oh, well, we're, let us show you. <laughs> yeah, we need someone who can read Linear B. You're a Linear B expert. Yes. Okay, how, how good, are, are, do you have choking problems or anything like that? Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, one of the things I'm not going to be putting on the file, it's, it's because, you know, like, a, you know, do you have any medical? Yeah, I have a gag reflex. When is this really going to come up in a bureau? Well, I guess we found out underwater missions. Yeah. Yeah. And also you become very regular after using, because they have to fill everything with fluid. Yes. That's why I mentioned that. Yeah. 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 Mm.
All right. So, okay. So we, we know that it's, you know, so, so I say we need like two, two, two solutions. One solution is where you just basically jump inside of a bassosphere centered um, underwater craft. It could just go. And just do what it can using Waldo's, using um, telepresence, using uh, you know uh, virtual reality, whatever you got to do to make it work, you know. Uh, and which I personally think would be much more comfortable than the whole breathing mixture of business you're talking about. I'd be perfectly happy to put something over my eyes or whatever, lay on a nice cot inside of an air-conditioned bath of sphere, you know, because it's uncomfortable out there. You say that. I just re- re- just saw something, uh, this is like a, a couple of weeks ago, where they're testing, they were, basically it's a variation of that uh, telepresence unit they were, they were going to put on the ISS. It's basically, it's an it's a aquatic version, where basically it looks like a guy, only it's a telepresence unit with arms and with no legs, but it has a set of motors, so when you Move your legs; it runs the motor. But you know, basically, the whole telepresence. So, yeah, you you don't have to even get wet, and it goes underwater and does this thing. Of course, that course, you know, hopefully nothing comes along and breaks the connection between you and the telepresence. But you know, that's okay. Well, that that brings us up to the the secondary type question, which is okay. You know what kind of communications? You've already mentioned one, Trav. You said there might be some limited sigh going on. Well, because radio waves don't work underwater. We know this. So your normal, typical walkie-talkie, whatever, that's not an option. No. So Psy, I would think, work. Magic, obviously. Whatever Bureau uses for its its phones. Well, if you want radio, you know, it's like, you know, you end up with cables and stuff. And that, I don't want the crack grabbing by the cable twirling me around. You know, I, I don't know what the baud rate would be for Sonic, but I mean, with if this robotic uh, telepresence guy is close to you know what we want, well, there's two ways of doing. It. Of course, you can run a tether over to the ship, so of course you get you can get just full blown you know uh, communication that way. But if you're going to do wireless, then um, you know there's there's a couple ways. I mean, you 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 could be using some uh, squid technology. Uh, which is kind of like tele, uh, uh, telepathy, which squid is super quantum interface uh, interference device, mass coupling. And in, like an induction helmet kind of thing. The distance doesn't matter because whatever you do inside the helmet gets repeated inside of, uh, of a device inside your bathosphere, and it's as if the distance between doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like when you put on the helmet and your your net running. Yeah, it's along the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So we would expect that sort of thing to be going on, and that would be very useful because I mean, if they go, something goes and grabs your little trail presence guy and drags him off. You know, you don't actually have to chase after it. You could just simply go and say, "Let's see where this is going." Maybe they'll take us, you know, where we need uh, where we need to go, and then we can come in with you know, some force, because if it goes dragging it down into some subterranean passageway, you're not going to be able to take that sub in there anyways. If you are talking radio, there's there's both very low frequency, but really is only good to about 20 meters of, of uh, basically can penetrate 20 meters below the surface. Uh, and then there's extremely low frequency, but this one, um, this one actually can reach anywhere underwater, more or less, uh, for all practical purposes. But it has a really slow baud rate because we're talking waves bigger than a house. 
radio waves. I mean, they're, they're basically, they're talking. They're talking radio waves that you measure in meters, not in not in millimeters. So it's humongous, you know, radio waves, and that means it has a very low baud rate, uh, very low communications rate. But yeah, I mean, also I imagine whatever the bureau uses for its phones. I mean, we have always said bureau phones always get bars no matter where they are. You know, I mean, is it magic? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Either that or it's uh it's uh IDET um uh, uh dimensional tech. Or or it's quantumly entangled uh you know quantumly Squid, entangled yeah, the squids, yeah. Yeah, yeah, squids, yeah, yeah. Quantum entanglement, yeah. Uh so yeah, we have all different you know choices there. Uh, it means you you bring along a planet tier when you go underwater with you, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, the good thing is if you're using squid technology, that means that uh, – and it's funny how it actually seems to work with the topic. Uh, the, uh, it's you – don't, you, know, you, you don't have to worry about distance, okay? Uh, and you also don't have to uh, – and this is important. You don't have to worry about uh, other people detecting it because, you know, it's, it's, it's the inner – it's the inner – Vening distance doesn't matter. There's nothing to detect unless they can actually get in and mess with the device itself. They're not going to know what's going on. Uh, this is also one reason why I like the idea of rebreathers over um, something that where you're uh, collecting the uh, uh, well, you're you're taking water and you're turning it into oxygen and blowing off the hydrogen because you've got bubbles coming away. We want to be as stealthy as possible. You want these to be like the black mantas of the ocean. You know the bureau's uh, black black manta team, uh, or your team Nemo as you staffed by your team Nemo. Yeah, I mean, gill. The only problem with get with the artificial gills is that it carbonates the water. You, they're they're going to have to deal with that. I mean, that's just part of the the, the technology. You know, all they're going to have to clean the, the the breathing mixture on an ongoing basis. Reflect refresh the oxygen into it and we you know we didn't really talk a whole lot about artificial or biotech gills um the ones i've seen described inside of novels you know a lot of them the guys people look like angels because they have these big things out because water does not hold anywhere near as much oxygen as air does even though it's very dense it just actually doesn't have that much oxygen in it so you need a constant supply of of water moving through these gills and by them so if you have these gills going you're going to have a bit of a of a water storm going on around you just in order to keep that going so having an, another means of of keeping it you know of of of, of putting that oxygen into uh your system uh, or extracting it somehow in a uh in a, a chemical or a, even a, a nano it, probably nano would be even better because then you're just stripping the oxygen away and shoving it into the fluid without having to actually deal with any kind of a phase change or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, in real life, you, you'd have to pass 52 gallons a minute through an artificial gill just to get enough oxygen for your human brain. That isn't actually that much. No, but it would be enough to move you through the water without yeah, while swimming. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that, and that's a good point because you know you're saying, well, uh, how are we moving around? Well, your gill system would automatically provide you with the propulsion you need just to move around. <laughs> yeah, just point your head in the right direction you want to go, and there you go. It just jetted out, just jetted out of the back of your head, and off you go like like a, an underwater rocketeer. 
we always said BR thirteen is a weird weird science universe, you know, where you know the, the gills don't have to do that because they they work, you know, they work like you like they do in the movies. So yeah, that's that's fine there. I'm not worried about real life. I'm worried this is this is BR thirteen universe, totally different physics. <laughs> I, li- I like having some reality in my games. So, you know, the idea of saying they've got these things. And, and again, if you're going to spend all your time at uh, uh, below 100 feet, then, you know, it's that, that might actually be a better solution because you don't want to have to deal with the whole liquid breathing mixture and all that stuff because 100 feet isn't that, isn't that big of a deal as far as the bends are concerned. If you came from 100 feet up to the surface... I'm not saying you wouldn't have the bends. You would. You'd be in pain, okay? But you probably wouldn't die, all right? You'd have, you know, and, and a lot, in a lot of cases, historically, you had guys that were undersea divers before they really understood the bends. At the end of the day, they just popped up to the surface. They're like, ah, oh, I'm in pain. They go to the bar. They drink. Makes them feel better. Next day, they go put them back in the suits, drop them to the bottom of the ocean. They're 100 feet down again. I feel great. And they work a whole day. Yeah, I mean, th- this is uh, we actually knew about the bends before we actually had a lot of these di- deep sea divers. When they built the uh, the first underwater tunnel uh, in England, they were getting the bends from the caissons. They were basically the caissons were under pressure, and the, the, these guys were having these problems. They realized, oh, it's the pressure. Yeah, they called it pressure sickness. That was the term for it. So, but and at, at 100, at 100 feet, you basically have three atmospheres. At one atmosphere under the ocean, at 30 feet, you're basically fine. You, your, your body will absorb it, no trouble. It's that additional 60 to 70 feet that seems to cause the problem. So, again, it's, it's a matter of, and, and sometimes they'll even say, you can go down to 100 feet as long as you're not down there more than like, and I'm picking a number out of my butt here, but it's like seven minutes. Okay, it's not very long, but it, it's long enough that you, your body doesn't absorb enough nitrogen to actually cause a real problem. So, you know, there's, there are, you know, there are within 100 feet, which is still pretty darn hard to see. Okay, you know, I mean, a lot of stuff can happen in that 100 feet and still be a covert investigation. So, you know, I'm just saying is, that, you know, you, there's a lot of solutions that don't require Team Nemo fully equipped and you know with the 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 practically the thunderbird you know uh is it four or is it five thunderbird four four yeah uh kind of setup you know to to be able to do stuff so yeah so but artificial biotech gills are completely plausible considering the level that that uh, uh you know that that uh, uh tech services is operating at I would say a good rule of thumb for working out pressure, every 33 feet, add one atmosphere to the pressure. Yeah, it's, exact, it's okay. actually every 32, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, close yeah. enough. You know. it's close. I always just go with the 30. It's easier to remember. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game. Hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait, you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the TriTech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker. You best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games.
And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts. Cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.